Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bet that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. First and goal, I am Alex Shane breaking down another Patriots loss with my good buddy Rich Hill. New England is now one in five. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL. There's only one team, the winless Panthers, that have a worse record than the Patriots. They're right in the cellar where they haven't been in a very, very long time. Yep. Rich Hill, I was going back. The last time the Patriots were one in five, I was 14 years old. I am 42 years old now. And there was a very, very bad team led by Drew Bledsoe. However, there was some hope in that young draft picks, Ty Law and Ted Johnson and Curtis Martin were showing flashes. And the thought was maybe next year, these good young pieces will be able to turn it around and do good things to the Patriots. The 96 Patriots made the Super Bowl. Uh, I do not, <laughs> I do not get the same feeling when I watch 2023 Patriots with all these young players looking to turn it around. The Super Bowl run is imminent in 2024. Um, so you and I, buddy, we've been doing this podcast for a long time. We're in new territory. Usually we're breaking down wins. We are talking about the losses that are few and far between. We're not that concerned about it. It'll be on the road at Green Bay or it'll be one of those brain fart games against Cleveland. But this is one of the worst teams in the National Football League. And if you want to make a case, they're the worst team in the National Football League from a statistics standpoint, you have a case. But um, we are rooting for a very bad team here, my friend, and hopefully you can handle it. Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know, like the way that I'm trying to handle it is that I think that they have a really good young core. Uh, I'm excited about a lot of the transactions that they've made during the off season. Uh, I think that there's some concerns about their depth at center, but I think Tatum and Brown can do a really good job. I love Kristaps Persingis. I think that he's really good. Sorry. I was going to make this a Celtics podcast now, Alec. That's the state that I'm in. Uh, It's not good. It's bad. It's, Uh, They took all of the frustration that we were feeling watching this team last year and they've made it worse. (laughs) And what makes this team so infuriating to watch week in and week out is that there's a lack of passion on offense. You're seeing players like Devontae Parker dropping a potential game saving catch and taking no accountability for it. There's a rotating cast of players that get snap opportunities in a given week. And they're all completely forgettable. This 
team is committing the absolute sin of being a bad team, but losing in just boring, uninteresting ways. This is not an interesting team to watch. This is one where uh, if we're talking about, and we'll talk about this on, on second down, uh, where should this team go? Right now, they're not even good enough to be floating in that Jeff Fisher 7-9 to nine win, like middle of the league kind of situation. This is a bad team. I don't know if they could have a fire sale because I don't know if any of the players are worth acquiring for other teams that are contenders. And so I'm just watching this team and just looking for them to just pull the plug on the year. I want to have them commit to losing or, you know, if, if they're just going to continue to be a total disappointment of a product out there on the field, I feel like I am just going to have to choose like individual players or, uh, you know, just, I don't even know what I'm going to end up rooting for in the game. Yeah. I mean, I feel like their, their most kind of quote unquote blue chip players are all veterans at the very tail end of the rookie contract who have maybe like nine games left before they're free agents. And so those players, as talented as they are, they don't have much trade value for round draft picks, so you can always just kind of compete and for a free agency. So who are you going to – second round for Duggar? There's just no way you're going to give that up, and you can just get him next year possibly. So, yeah, it's really tough. Again, I, I don't think I have it in me to root for a tank. I, I just don't know if I'm capable of, like, being happy totally. when the Patriots lose. I never will. But what I'm taking solace in in this season from here on out is, like, the wins – won't make me super happy, which is whatever, but the losses won't make me sad at all. Like I used to lie up at night staring at the ceiling when the Patriots lost a game. It drove me nuts. It like ate into my soul to it. Yeah. But now it's just like, you know what? There's, there's value in wins because you can start to delineate who the good players are, who the guys are going to be built around going forward. The hell was that? It's uh, the ghosts of the Patriots success coming to haunt you right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, this is one of those teams where uh, you look at where the players that like, have been contributing to the team, as you said, let's jump into it. First right, down, first um, where do you go from here? Where do you go? Like the the out of the game itself, it followed the exact same script that we've talked about in week one, week two against the Eagles and the Dolphins, where, uh, you know, Patriots get into a hole and then they try to claw their way out, and they're just not able to do it. It's a different feeling and a different narrative when it's coming against the defending NFC champs, coming against a historically like historic producing offense of the Dolphins. It hits completely differently when you have those two good teams and you're able to fight with it versus the Raiders team, which is a bottom 10 team in the league, and to have the same ending is so much more disappointing. Like we're already at this part of the season where we're beyond moral victories. This one is just, just a loss of just sad proportions. So yeah, I'd be very curious that we're coming. We'll do third and fourth down with the bills coming up. Cause that's, that should be a fun game. <laughs> this, this might remind this, this team might be the 2023 pages might be like the bizarro 2011 Patriots where they play to or down to the level of their competition and still manage to lose. 
the 2011 Patriots, they could be playing the best team in the league and they'd win by four points, playing mm-hmm. the worst team in the league and they'd win by four points. And they'd play kind of according to how their opponent was playing. Maybe these Patriots, that's just kind of how they play. Maybe they'll look, they'll look lights out against the Bills and lose on a last-minute score or a last-minute turnover because that's kind of how they roll. I don't know. What's really just frustrating about this, Rich, is just, again, it's been basically a season and a half now of yep. poor discipline, penalties, calling back plays, nonsensical roots. Uh, I mean, people talk about the Devontae Parker drop. That's fine. But even if he catches that, they're still at like the 45. They need 10 more yards. No confidence they can get 10 yards in that situation there. Yep. They, they, they they don't have any identity. They don't have any teeth. I'm wondering if they're just really missing like a Devin McCourty style captain to fire guys up on the sidelines and take those pregame speeches and nobody's really adopting that role. I don't know. This is a listless team. This is a directionless mm-hmm. team. And – I don't mind rooting for a loser, but it's just the same thing over and over. And you said it. This is just they're they're, they're a boring football team to watch. Again, yeah. it's it, it's Wednesday night. We're recording this. The game happened on Sunday, and I'm thinking back. They scored two touchdowns, so that's something. But the only offensive play besides the Parker drop I can remember definitively is that screen to Zeke. He took the house. He got called back for a holding penalty. I know there were others, but they completely escaped me right now. And this team should not be that forgettable. Totally. Well, I mean, like the two second half touchdown drives that they led were, you know, a six minute drive and a nine and a half minute drive. Like they were grinding them out short, but this was because they were in such a hole. Like the Raiders were just running out the clock. They didn't care. And it just took so many completions that were short, 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 which is like what you have to do against this Raiders team. We are very familiar. Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, head coach. Like they know how the Patriots operate. They wanted to force the Patriots to lead these very long extended drives. And, you know, great to see the Patriots eventually score. They definitely relied a lot on penalties to be able to get them down the field. But, you know, they got into some semblance of rhythm that makes me feel at least intrigued about whether they're going to be able to do it. But we were burned by this before. This was the second half against the Eagles. And the the thing that really uh, makes it more painful is the fact that Brian Hoyer looked so good <laughs> against the Patriots. Like, it, it's just such an easy way to pop that balloon of like, Oh, could they be, uh, could they be doing well? It's like, okay, maybe the offense is turning a corner to be average. Uh, this defense is getting cooked by Brian Hoyer. What are we going to do anyways? I mean, what a difference the Patriots pre and post Matthew Judon are. They mm-hmm. have no pass rush. Anymore. Totally. He was a game changing player. And even post Christian Gonzalez, it's amazing what the rookie was doing as an impact player rookie of the month without those two there's just nothing to this defense there are fantasy owners dropping them left and right the fact the Patriots lost to the Josh McDaniels coach Jimmy Garoppolo Brian Hoyer to Jacoby Myers connection as Adam Butler terrorizes Mac Jones in the background what a kick in the junk that whole thing is all the former Patriots (laughs) players that we were let go for whatever reason just lit the team up and once again here's the good news Rich they had a chance to come back they held Brian Hoyer, that vaunted fourth-quarter comeback machine, to a three-and-out. They had the ball back. They needed a field goal <laughs> to win it. There was a chance at the Parker catch. Again, maybe they get 10 more yards after that. I think it goes incompletion, incompletion, sack, turnover on downs. But that's kind of just my theory. We'll never know. But safety to end the game. 
Very appropriate. Not at all surprising. And this one, especially this this past game, this is 100 not 100%. I'm saying 65% of this is on the coaching staff, and yep. the other 30% is on the O-line. Because why yep. – maybe you can tell me this. Why on God's green earth is Vidarian Lowe spending an entire game on an island against Max Crosby? What is the logic for that particular offensive game plan? Please enlighten me. Big brain logic. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was like Hunter Henry was uh, – or Jacecki, I forget who it was on that that safety, but one of them was sent in to Chip Crosby. And then – that was the end of the blocking on Crosby. Lowe had nothing left to do on it. And like, like you would like to see more out of Mac Jones. Obviously the fact that he threw a really good pass to Parker at the end of the game doesn't override that. Like he was very mediocre this one, which is like fine. Like in the sense that this is back to what he was last year, first couple of weeks of this year he wasn't he wasn't the problem in this game like he was for the past two weeks and that is sadly an improvement if he can play at that level and get some blocking i don't know maybe they'll something that they can figure out here i'm not holding out hope on it but what i did like is that they got kendrick Bourne involved again he's like i mean that's the other frustrating piece that I've just been like hitting my head against the wall for the past three years to get Kendrick Bourne more involved, get him more involved. He's been the most explosive receiver that they have, the most consistent one. He has the best rapport with Mac Jones. Like keep getting him more and more involved. And they just iced him last year. And so that was like, Matt Patricia, you have no idea what you're doing. Get out of here. Bring in Bill O'Brien. He knows how to use wide receivers. And then in first week, two touchdowns to Kendrick Bourne because he was the top receiver played like almost, I think he played every single snap in week one and then just slowly just reduced his snaps because you really got to get Juju Smith Schuster and Devante Parker involved for their three targets for one catch in six yards. <laughs> and so then, Oh, lo and behold, all of a sudden Kendrick Bourne's involved in the offense again, had another great day out there, had caught like nine out of his 10 targets. He was very productive out there. Very clear. He has a good rapport with Mac Jones please just keep doing that. Like the the fact that so many of the seeming solutions have been there the entire time that like we're sitting here being like, get Kendrick Bourne involved, have Hunter Henry be involved in the red zone, get Demario Douglas when he doesn't have a concussion to be a leading receiver on this team. Take the snaps away from Parker and Smith Schuster because they are bringing nothing to the table. And the fact that they continue to, put nothing out on the field because they're continuing to use Parker when just like Boutte a shot. There's no reason that he should not be seeing the field that with the current state of this Patriots offense, they have nothing to lose by trying to figure out what he can do because obviously this offense is inept anyways. Like you made this joke the other, like last week when it's like, Oh no, like so-and-so is not going to be available. Now the offense is going to stink. It's like, no, they're like the worst offense in the league. Anyways, like literally the worst passing offense in the league, literally the worst 32nd ranked. They are the worst passing offense in the league by expected points added. They're not going to lose anything by trying something new. And why not? Please. Why not? If Vidarian Lowe is such a turnstile at right tackle, put in Wayne there. I don't like, to disrupt the consistency of the offensive line, they've been garbage no matter what. Put Unwenu at right tackle, have Trent Brown stay at left tackle, figure out what to do on the interior, whether it's City So or Antonio Mafi. Like you have better depth on the interior than the garbage you're continuing to put on the right tackle spot. There are so many changes that feel 
like they should make sense that just aren't being done. And we are beyond that point of the year at one in five that they should just do that. Like they have literally nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I wish I was joking when I told you that Derrick Henry currently has more touchdown passes than Mac Jones in the month of October. Derrick Henry has one. Mac Jones has zero. It is mid to late October. Mac Jones has yet to throw a touchdown pass this month. October is when you start coming into your own and getting good for that November, December push. Like you're right, man. The, like, what do they have to lose? I, I wonder if, if it would just be a scenario. I, I personally, I'm really sick of the Belichick has to go. Belichick needs to be fired. Talk. I think that's insane. But I think maybe if there was a scenario where Bob Kraft and Belichick sat down and he's like, "Listen, this season's a bust. We're gonna go balls to the wall. See what we can do for next year." If he had a little more security or understanding of that, maybe they could take more chances. I don't know. I mean, this Raiders team is not good. This is not a good Raiders team. Nope. And at no point, I mean, the Raiders the Raiders were up 13 to 3 at halftime if I remember correctly, and I was not even remotely confident they were going to come back at any point. Even when Mac Jones had the ball with of 2 minutes or whatever and needed a field goal to get in there and that dime he threw to Parker aside, there was no confidence that they were going to be able to come back. Not even a little bit. So Again, the plus side about this is I'm not sweating the losses. The losses are beneficial because it helps the draft pick. Even though the Patriots lost this week, they <laughs> dropped a spot in the draft. It went from five yep. to six, which sucks. But uh, the good news is a lot of the teams that are ahead of them in the draft order, the Broncos, the Cardinals right now, they play each other. So hopefully those will be uh, games to see who has a better better draft pick. I don't know, Rich. I, the only thing I really want to talk about in terms of this game for you on a second down is um, one player that I know it is the offensive line's fault for the most part, but there's something else going on here. I'm not quite sure what it is, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. Uh, the run game looks pretty decent. Average four yards a carry. They almost rushed for 100 yards as a team, so progress. Um, but I feel like Ramondre Stevenson somehow forgot how to catch the ball as of late. I mean, I can count like f- at least five – kind of quick screens to the flat, he's just dropped. And him as a receiving back was such a huge part of this offense because he was like that big between the tackles guy, but he's also kind of a third down back. You could motion him out. You could find a mismatch and and get him the ball. He could catch the ball like 15 yards down the the field. What's up with Mondra, man? Why can't he catch the ball anymore? Any idea? Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's the same player he was last year. That's the thing. And like, that's also the sad part is that while he was a big part of it as uh, as a you know running back last year, and that's where the biggest drop off comes off, and that also just like heavily emphasizes why it's important to have a good offensive line. As a receiver, he's still the same guy. Uh, he's catching you know around seventy to seventy five percent of his catches both years. He got four point eight yards per target last year. He's at four point six right now. From a reception standpoint, he's at 6.1 last year versus 6.5 right now. He's just, I think, in my head, a much less productive runner in between the tackles. And that makes it feel like he's less productive overall when he gets those opportunities coming out of the backfield. I think even as a rookie where he had a couple of those really big gains, he was never like a, the third down back kind of reliable running back. He's someone who you can throw to and like not regret it but he's not someone that you would throw to and be like, Oh, he's a true threat coming out of the backfield. So it's one, I feel like, you know, talking around blue chip players that the Patriots have, 
I think he's still the same player. And he has been in recent weeks shaking off some of whatever the lack of explosion or rust he was like clearly suffering with over the first couple of weeks of the season. He looks more explosive. He looks more decisive. So I, I think that the upside will be there if the offensive line can ever figure itself out. But I, I'm less concerned about Stevenson as a receiving back so much as the Patriots decision to just not have a James White replacement at all. Like the the fact that the Patriots don't have a pure third down back type of player that Belichick has had for 20 years with the Patriots to all of a sudden not give Mac Jones a safety blanket out of the backfield feels both extremely intentional and also feels like it's just such a head scratching move that makes no sense. Like of all the things that you say, uh, if it's not broken, like don't change it. Like that part was working. Why all of a sudden do you give away the easy yards? That it just doesn't make sense to me. No. And they tried a lot to their credit. They tried to do a lot of quick screens. They tried to get the ball to Mac Jones's hands very quickly. They mm-hmm. did. It just it just didn't do anything. And he had another awful awful interception. Yeah, I, I, I feel like quarterbacks in the NFL now, like they really got to be able to throw on the run. The NFL is getting faster and bigger and stronger. And maybe the pure pocket passer is going away for a little while. Like, I don't think they'll ever go away completely, but you have to be able to throw. If you don't, if you can't throw on the run, at least don't throw it to the other team on the yeah. run. That seems like a reasonable. I don't high know. Bar, Alec, high bar. I got nothing. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Let's move <laughs> on. Second and goal, Rich, to that game, where do the Patriots go from here? Usually we're on the league. We'll go around the league on third down. Where do the Patriots go from here? The trade deadline is creeping up. We talked about how they don't really have any pure assets to sell. The the, the guys that probably have the biggest upside for other teams around the league are up, their contracts up at the end of this season. I can't see them getting a lot of cap draft value for a Kendrick Bourne or a Kyle Duggar. You can get some draft picks for them, sure, but – not the kind you'd need to really be positioned well in 2024. So do you kind of ride with the squad you got and blow it up at the end of the season? Do you try and acquire some guys mid-season and maybe try to acclimate them early, give them a jump on next season? Or do you just kind of dump as many players as you can and and stock up? Where, Where do they go from here on second and goal? Yeah, honestly, it's like Ramondre might be the only player on that offense with real trade value. Because he's the only one, as you said, that's not on an expiring contract. You look at who are the other, I don't know, four top players that you would say are, that are on the Patriots offense. You'd say Trent Brown. You'd say Michael Nwenu, even though he's been banged up. He hasn't really been healthy. Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. Those are the four players that I would say are the most effective on the offense, in addition to Ramondre Stevenson. Those four will all be free agents after the season. Ezekiel Elliott, free agent after the season. Mike Jacecki, free agent after the season. There's not a lot of stuff going well for the Patriots on the offensive side. Also, like, to what end? Like, I'd rather them trade Juju and Devontae Parker, take the cap hit if they can this year, like whatever piece of it they can, so then they can just start fresh next year. They just got to go through, like, a true rebuild. They do have better pieces on the defensive side, but that's also the area where uh, even in a rebuild, you want to keep some good young talent. Like there's no point in trading away a Jack or a Marcus Jones or, you know, a Keon white at this point, obviously he's a rookie. You would never do that um, because you like what you'll get a a second round pick in return. Maybe it'll be as good as a Keon white, like that kind of a thing. It, It wouldn't make sense to trade a lot of those. There's not a good, a lot of high value potential trade pieces. They should keep Duggar. He's very good. 
he's probably one of the most consistent players on this defense. And especially with Judon and Gonzalez out, he's the only blue chip player that they have on the defensive side of the ball. So if I were the Patriots, I don't even know if I would go into a sale mode because you don't really have too many players on offense that are producing that are worth anything to other teams. And then on the defensive side, you want to keep that because you know, you're not going to get good enough trade chips in return. How about flip side, Rich Hill? And if they're not want to give anybody away, they don't have enough pieces or enough leverage to give any trades. Do they want to go acquire anybody? Is this kind of thing where you want to go and maybe as you build towards next season, you try and find a guy, you maybe you can get him at a bit of a discount. Maybe not like a, a soon to be free agent, but a guy with like one or two years in his contract, not a great fit with his team. He might fit in New England. Are they going to try and acquire anybody or is this kind of team we're going to have? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested in seeing some player swaps. Like, is, is there another player that you could trade Devontae Parker or Juju Smith-Schuster for? And it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be really bad. But it's a thing where uh, that's probably the only way you could get it because if I'm the Patriots, I'm not giving up my draft capital. We're probably picking in the top three at this point. Like, we are talking about this before the podcast, but, like, how many teams are worse than the Patriots right now? And, like, we're at that sad state where you have the 0-6 Panthers, and then you have the 1-5 Bears, the 1-5 Broncos. Uh, how many others would you consider to be worse than the Patriots? Like, Patriots are a bottom four team in the league, and those other teams, Russell Wilson aside, have more talents across their roster to make you at least feel like, you know, with the Panthers, you're in the beginning of a rebuild. With the Bears, you just acquired a top receiver for Justin Fields, and he was showing some promise before he hurt his thumb. Like he had a couple of good games there together. And so maybe they were turning a corner. Who knows? Broncos, who knows? Broncos are bad. Broncos are in a terrible state as well. So like, it's really, it's like Patriots could be picking top two, three. I'm not trading any of my picks just because you're going to get really good players from that end. So like, there's no need to trade them away now. Last question in terms of the the state of the Patriots going forward before we're on the third down, Rich Hill. Obviously the big question, the one in everyone's mind, I, I don't think he's the guy, but uh, the reality is the 2024 quarterback draft class is very, very top heavy with the top two in Caleb Williams and Drake May. And it's a very big drop off after that. So unless you're either picking in the top two or you're like top four and the top two picks don't need a quarterback, which is also possible. um, You're probably not going to get your franchise quarterback in the first round of the 2024 draft. So with that in mind, do you keep building around Mac Jones? You give Mac Jones one more year in 2024 and build around what his skill set is, or do you try and find a quarterback elsewhere? Yeah. I mean, I think if you, even like with, I mean, I like Drake may as a prospect. I like Caleb as a prospect as well. Would they do any better in this current Patriots team? They have more tools than Mac Jones. Drake may is incredibly mobile. He's that like prototypical modern day, like, caliber NFL quarterback style. Caleb Williams is just one of the best prospects since, you know, Trevor Lawrence kind of a thing. Um, So like if you have the opportunity to take them, you take them. But that said, like if the Patriots have to trade a ton to move up to get them, honestly, I'd rather get a blue chip offensive lineman, get like one of those premier left tackles, get Marvin Harrison jr. Get a like blue chip, you know, Jamar Chase for the Bengals, how much did that do for Joe Burrow? Get a good wide receiver for Mac Jones. And if not Mac Jones in his fourth year, you're going to be picking in the top five again anyways. It's one of those cases where, uh, you know, what you were saying, if Robert Kraft can say, 
I will guarantee you that you will get at least three more years with us. Feel like you can treat this as a true rebuild. I, I wouldn't sell the farm to try and move up to uh, get Drake May kind of a thing. Cause like you're going to give away your next three years of draft picks to pick in the top two for these players. And that's, you know, if it doesn't hit, this team's going to be hurting for the next decade kind of a thing. And so you might as well, you know, I, I think Mac Jones is a better option than the other players outside of those two. And so I might just rather use the Patriots league leading salary cap space to invest heavily in a good offensive line. Don't bargain bin shop during the off season. I was kind of okay with it because I thought Connor McDermott in the second half of the year was good. He was an average right tackle. And if there was an odds that any of the four other right tackles that they signed were a little bit better, cool. It was a cheap way to slightly improve it. But then McDermott was hurt and all four of those players were garbage. <laughs> so it's like, I'd rather them just say, okay, enough messing around. We have the money. Let's not spend a ton on a Jonu Smith that we have no idea how to utilize. Let's not go out and spend it on these wide receivers that we don't know how to utilize. Let's get a good offensive line. That matters more than almost anything for a young quarterback's development. And then the other thing is getting him a blue chip target that they can throw at. And it's not Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not Devontae Parker. And the fact that those two are around for the next three years, uh, or at least on three-year contracts. I know Devontae Parker's contract has an exit, is going to put the Patriots in a little bit of a frustrating spot as it relates to upgrading the wide receiver core. Yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't matter how good you are, quarterback. If you're running for your life, again, like, Mac Jones is not as bad as he looks. I really don't place all the blame on him. He's making some awful decisions. There's no excusing some of the throws he's made this season. But he has no time to throw. And I feel like he is the kind of quarterback that gets rattled, and it's hard for him to get out of his head. Maybe if he has a good, strong offensive line behind him, he can get back to making smart decisions, being a good game manager. If they get Judon back, to get Gonzalez back, they throw the defense up, maybe they can still be a, a middling team on the rise in 2024. Uh, we'll talk about Caleb Williams and Drake May a bunch, I'm sure, over the offseason. Uh, I've got a personal favorite of those two. I will reveal it later on in podcasts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we're kind of – this is going to be the – this is the team that we're going to have for the rest of the season. Yep. I really don't see a very different Patriots team one way or another. We are riding or dying, most likely the latter, with this unit. And <laughs> it's already dead, man. Just kind of the way it is. Uh, I would advise anybody who doesn't know how to behave right now, just enjoy the games. Like, they don't really matter this season. If they win, great. If they lose, great. There's kind of a win-win situation in that, like, your draft pick gets better, and if they win, maybe some guys stand out. We start looking toward the season and end and see who's going to be around next year, which guys you keep, which guys you just you just dump. Uh, I think we'll know a lot, a lot more about that when the Bills face the Patriots. Oof. We will talk about on third down right after this. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 
gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 sport. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Rich Hill, third and goal. It's the first of two meetings with the Patriots and Bills. The Bills, one of the best teams in the NFL. The Pats, one of the worst teams in the NFL. The tables have completely turned. This used to be New England coming and slapping around the Bills twice a season. We're finally taking it after giving it for so long. We're due. It's fine. So let's break out of the Patriots' Bills. But first, around the league, Rich Hill, week seven. The league's, well, the season's almost yeah. half over. Thank goodness. Uh, starting with Jaguars Saints tomorrow night or Thursday night, depending on when this goes up, uh, a game I could not care less about personally. <laughs> However, there are some good games on the slate. Chargers Chiefs could be a good game. Dolphins Eagles Sunday night, yep. probably the matchup of the week. And Vikings 49ers will probably be a good game, even though the Vikings cannot catch a break right now. Totally. And I mean, the other game that I will definitely say uh, people should watch five and one lions on the road against the four and two Ravens, like Ravens. We know they're always going to be a contender in the AFC, even if not like a top tier team, they have one of the best young quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson, and they will always be competitive with Harbaugh. But this lions team is good. Jared Goff playing like a top three quarterback in the league right now and could not be happier for his uh, renaissance with them right now. And so that is a game definitely worth watching. Uh, A few of the other games uh, that you can kind of just hope for an implosion with uh, Packers against Broncos. Uh, You know, obviously you want the Broncos to start winning games as it relates (laughs) to the Patriots draft pick. Uh, But similarly, uh, Giants hosting the commanders. We're starting to root for some of these one win teams to start, uh, picking up more wins. Do you think Alec that any of the one win teams, so the one and five bears hosting the Raiders one and five giants hosting the commanders and one and five Broncos hosting the Packers. Can any of those one win teams pull off the upset? I think the Broncos can beat the Packers at home. Mile high is a tough place to play. I'm very unimpressed with the Packers. Uh, I'm wildly unimpressed with the Broncos. However, uh, I think of the upset picks, that's probably the one I'm going to take the giants. I think the giants have had one good quarter all season when they <laughs> one good half all season when they kind of had that that 28 point comeback they've done nothing since Daniel Jones is probably still going to be out I don't see them beating the commanders and the Cardinals are a terrible terrible team and they're at Seattle I don't see them them in that one but I can see the Packers which have been very inconsistent as a team all season going and laying an egg a mile high yep yep no I mean it's true it's going to be a uh I mean, any given Sunday kind of situation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if these one-win teams were able to pull it off. I also didn't even mention the one-and-five Cardinals on the road against the three-and-two Seahawks. Um, but I, I, I think the Patriots, uh, I don't know, I don't want to forecast too much, but we are definitely looking at a one-and-seven team with the Bills <laughs> and the, the Dolphins coming up. So I, I think it's completely fair to start rooting for uh, playoff position. I think it is. Uh, One team that's most likely not going to pull off the upset this week is the Patriots, Rich. They're home against the Bills, so I guess if they're going to win one of these two games, if they're going to split with Buffalo, this is the one they're probably going to split. But the way they've been playing and the way the Bills have been playing, the Bills coming off two pretty weak performances. They lost to the Jaguars. They barely beat the Giants. People are starting to question the offense. I feel like this is a great game for them to get off the schneid, get their mojo back and just continue to repay New England for for 20 years of getting slapped around. So uh, let's talk about the Patriots' defense, which used to be the strength, against the Bills' offense, which is definitely the strength. Uh, Do you see a really big bounce back for Josh Allen this weekend? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he's dealing with an injury right now, so there's always that caveat. But they are definitely a a good overall team that can overcome whatever the injury is. You know, they're top three offense. Um, they can do it. And, and I mean, Josh Allen is overdue at this point after uh, losing to the Jaguars. They're angry. They're going to be frustrated with how they did against the Giants. Patriots are are in a uh, in position for a world of hurt here. If you look at the Patriots passing defense, they are a bottom six unit now, especially since they've been facing all those injuries. And now that they are going to be facing the Bills, a top three passing unit, uh, I, I would be shocked if they were able to hold the Bills back uh, in any meaningful way or any extended way. I think the fact that, uh, you know, the past four matchups, I want to say, that the Patriots have had, so that includes uh, the two games, in last two games of 2021, two games in 2022, uh, I think they've only forced the Bills to punt, like, six times across those four games. And so, like, yes, they've been able to, like, force turnovers on downs and interceptions and fumbles, but if, if we're going to start with the the Bills offense against the Patriots defense, this is the worst iteration of the Patriots defense that they've had in the past six years, seven years. It's been a while since their defense has been in such a bad shape, not due to poor performance or anything like that, just due to injuries. Like They just don't have the talent through no one's fault. It's just bad luck. Um, but this is not going to be the week in my head where they're going to pull it together with the scrappy bits and pieces that they have in the box on the roster to stop Josh Allen in the bills. Like this we're, we're going to be looking most likely more similarly at a game where Josh Allen and the bills didn't punt for two straight games against the Patriots. than we are where the Patriots, you know, slugged it out in the snow or with a big wind and they pulled off like a, you know, very low scoring win. So what do you do if you're Steve Belichick? I mean, you've got Stephon Diggs, you've got Gabe Davis, you've got a good running game, you've got a very mobile, tough quarterback to bring down in Josh Allen. Like, what's your strategy? You do a lot of zone, you get a lot of double man coverage. Like, what are you? How are you stopping this, this offense? Yeah, I mean, like, there's a need to throw a lot at Josh Allen. Like, if you play man, he's going to find the crosser. That's how uh, it was a Gabriel Davis or no, whoever uh, Isaiah McKenzie would just tear up the Patriots year like game after game. Is that they would just be like, okay, cool, let's just throw it to him. You you can't keep up with him on uh, in man coverage there, and that's fine. And then if you show out zone, then Diggs is just going to go for a thousand yards. And so you got to pick your battles here and you have to disguise your coverage. You got to make it as confusing for Josh Allen as possible. You know, the mush defense where the amoeba defense, where you just don't show anything pre-snap. That's something that you could do when you have a lot of veterans on the defense, where you have a lot of players that have been in the system for multiple years. It's not necessarily something that you can really trust the Patriots defense to do right now with all of the injuries that they've been suffering. So if I'm the Patriots, you do have to still try to disguise the coverage. I just don't feel great about the prospects of them executing it at a high level as if they had everyone available. If they had everyone available, I would be singing a different tune right now. But I think the injuries just are too much to overcome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think the one thing that you have going for you if you're the Patriots is that Josh Allen, as much as I enjoy watching him play, um, he's always leads with his face and he never wants to take the easy play. He'll always try and run. He'll always try and make the extra mm-hmm. yard. He'll jump and he'll try and crush you over. So I think if you can get to Josh Allen and, and smack him around a bit, that's a big if because the Patriots pass rush has been terrible 
without Matthew Judon. But I think if you can get to him and you can rattle him, uh, you're going to kind of force him to start trying to making those those rash decisions. Um, maybe go for a couple home run shots and they could pick him off, pick him off deep. Um, that's why I'm going with Jalen Mills as my defensive X factor. Uh, he's been a less of a factor this season, unfortunately, but I think as, as a safety role, he's been forced into a, a corner role due to the injuries, but if they can move him back as like a deeper safety. He can pick off a couple of those deep shots. Allen loves him some deep shots. If they can win the turnover battle, that's a big if as well. That's the only real shot they have. The Bills aren't going to punt. We know they're not going to punt, but they might throw interceptions. Maybe Jalen Mills can be kind of the deep, the deep kind of my man picking stuff off. Uh, but it's going to be a very, very long day if the pass rush is as impotent as it was against the Las Vegas Raiders. Because if he has all day back there, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bloodbath, honestly. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you look at like also who the Patriots were trotting out on the defensive side of the ball, like JC Jackson for being with the team for two minutes was the top cornerback right away, which, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how he'll continue to improve with more time back on the team. Uh, And honestly, like, outside of some of like that late penalties like he's kind of fine i like obviously like didn't have many expectations for him going into it i'm curious to see where he goes from there this could be uh a solid mid-season pickup he plus jonathan jones could create a pretty good duo right there i think miles bryant has been playing his heart out this year uh and jack jones has been starting to practice again so I'm, i'm intrigued to see how the patriots secondary will be able to respond they are just pretty gassed as to who's available but then you also look at who are the other players that have been standing out. Uh, the Anthony Jennings has had a much bigger role uh, for this Patriots team, especially since Judon's been out. Uh, he played 81% of the snaps, which is a lot. And so he's playing with Bentley and Tavai, uh, but Jennings is playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He was the leading pass rusher. And you know, add in that Keon White got suffered an injury. Uche uh, hasn't been playing that much as well. And so the, the fact that the Patriots are doing what they can uh, doesn't set them up for a lot of success against the Bills. But I'm curious to see if the defense uh, is able to be at least average. But I, I think also to have this conversation, uh, it's Wednesday as we're recording this. The first injury report that the Patriots released has 20 players on it, it seems like. So Josh Uche did not participate in practice with a knee and ankle injury. Jonathan Jones did not participate with a knee injury. Keon White did not participate with a concussion, so he's unlikely to go. And I'm only going to talk about the defensive players because we can save the offensive players for later. Christian Barmore, limited with a knee injury. Uh, Kyle Duggar, limited with a foot injury. Then you have Devon Godshaw, limited with an ankle injury. Jack Jones with a hamstring injury. Jarrell Peppers with a knee injury. Uh, And then Sean Wade with a shoulder injury not including Trey Flowers with a foot injury as he's returning from the uh, the unable to play list. This is a bad stretch for the Patriots because it seems like every single good player that they have is on this injury report. And so uh, I like Jalen Mills as the X factor kind of out of necessity. I might go with JC Jackson because he's going to likely get the draw against Stefan Diggs. I'd, uh, mixed success in the past Diggs has had a lot of uh a lot of ability to perform against the Patriots in recent years I'm intrigued to see if Jackson is able to force a turnover I mean that was his biggest calling card with New England is his Mr. INT the Patriots only chance of winning this game is if they force a couple turnovers like they have to win the turnover battle by at least two 
to have a shot to win this one because I am not expecting them. We can talk about this uh, a little bit later, but like I'm not expecting the offense to move the ball. So it will all come down to how many points can the defense and special teams put on the board by winning the field battle. Well, to the, let's get some defensive prop bets to that and Rich Hill, uh, which will maybe dictate how well the pay, the Patriots defense can, can keep points off the board. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go 65 rushing yards for Josh Allen over under. 65? 65 rushing yards. I think he's going to have absolute field day running all over the place because I think the wow. Patriots are going to be – I think I'm actually fairly confident the Patriots can um, can cover, uh, but I have no confidence they can bring Allen down in the backfield. So I think 65 yeah. rushing yards for Josh Allen is my, my money line here. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's it's one where I feel like uh, I'll I'll take the under on that one. Josh Allen has had his ability to run for over 65 yards. He's never done it against the Patriots, though. Uh, He does that mostly against the the Jets and the Dolphins. So I I think the Patriots will do whatever they can to make sure that Josh Allen doesn't escape from the pocket. That's their only chance of winning, too. As you said, like they have to disrupt him. They have to get in his face. They have to break up his rhythm one way that he gets into the rhythm is by escaping the pocket. So it's going to be a very big day for the Patriots defensive front, whether it's peppers or whomever the Patriots are going to put out there to be responsible as the spy. They do have to make sure that he doesn't escape the pocket, but I do think that they'll be able to keep him under 65, not because they're going to have a great defensive performance, but that's just because it's a lot to ask of a quarterback to pick up. All right, Rich Hill over under the Patriots force two bills punts. This it's painful that this is that hard of a decision to make. <laughs> it, it's truly, truly painful. Um, I'm going to go with the over on this one. I think that the Patriots force them uh, to punt at least three times. That's as that's as bold of a claim as I'm going to do. Uh, which, by the way, would be an above average performance for the Patriots against the Bills. Sam Martin uh, across six games has 16 punts. So uh, for those keeping score, that's less than three per game. So I think the Patriots have an above average performance relative to other teams and hold, force them to punt at least three times. All right. That's three more than we've had in the last like 10 Bills games we played, it seems. <laughs> um, over, under. So Mac Jones is good for at least one interception. You said the Patriots have to double, basically. So that means at least two, three turnovers for the Patriots defense total. Picks and fumbles combined. Uh, I'm going to go with the under. Uh, the Bills in the way to disrupt Josh Allen is by forcing turnovers like the bills, two losses this year, four turnovers against the jets, two against the Jaguars. They had two again against the giants and against any other team in the league, they would have lost that game. Can the Patriots get to two turnovers? I imagine it's going to be a huge, huge, huge point of focus for the bills to not be in that situation against the Patriots. I would be surprised if the Patriots couldn't get one turnover, um, but I do feel like uh, I'm not counting on them to to get two, uh, just because uh, they've not done it yet this year. Uh, they've gotten three turn forced a turnover in three games, haven't forced a turnover in three other games. I think one is a fair place to put the Patriots. Uh, that one is not bode well. Since the defense and special teams are looped together for fantasy football, I will loop special teams into my defensive prop bets. Yep. Uh, Chad Ryland goes bats a thousand on his kicker attempts. He doesn't miss any. Yeah, I mean, I would say yes. I'm gonna. I will defend Chad Ryland probably too much, but I will defend him that he has been put in a very very difficult situation. the The kicks that he's missed are all fifty fifty <laughs> kicks, anyways. 
law percentages, you put him out there more, he'll start making them. I feel confident with him within 45. Uh, he hasn't missed any of those yet. And so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like if the Patriots are able to put him in positions to actually take like high percentage kicks, he'll make them. He feels, I feel pretty good about that. It's mostly uh, they've asked him to take like you know, three kicks beyond the 50 and then uh, he missed like a couple 48 yarders. And so those like, obviously you want them to make those kicks, but you know, small sample size at this point, I, I think if you put him out there more, he'd start making more of them. At this point, man, I just like seeing him out there because it means they're in field goal range. It's just such a <laughs> rarity to see them even able to kick the field goal. I don't even care. Just get him out there. It's good, uh, which is a good enough transition because that means points on the board. Let's get the fourth and goal, Rich Hill, that vaunted Patriots offense going up against that terrible Bills defense. Um, the, the Patriots can't score points against anybody. Uh, they were shut out against the Saints. They scored three against the Cowboys. They got two against the Raiders but couldn't get anything beyond that. They're up against a very ridiculously good Bills defense with a very strong pass rush, a porous offensive line. Yep. What the hell are you going to do if you're Bill O'Brien trying to protect Mac Jones? Yeah, I mean, so the Bills rank fourth in the league in points allowed per drive. They uh, allow a little bit on the ground, but they've had such big leads on offense. They're you know dropping a lot of players back because they don't need to focus on stopping the run so much. Uh, they have talent across the board. Uh, they have uh, you know really great defensive backs out here. Uh, they have a really strong defensive front. The linebackers, I know Matt Milano suffered an injury. So curious to know what like his future holds. I believe he's actually might even be out. Um, there are, uh, there are pieces that I don't know if the Patriots can take advantage of from a matchup perspective, because I don't know how well I think the Patriots offensive line will hold up against this bills team. Uh, Leonard Floyd, six and a half snack, sacks through six games. Ed Oliver, four sacks through six games. AJ Appenza has four sacks through six games. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, three sacks. Daquan Jones, two and a half sacks. Like they are able to generate pressure from a lot of different places. It's not as simple as put one player in support of this other offensive lineman and then you can figure it out. It's not like they're facing the Eagles defensive line where they seem to have an all world player at each position, but it's still very good, especially against the run uh, or especially uh, rushing the quarterback. And so if I'm the Patriots, do I try and establish, like try and generate some sort of a run game? I don't think so. I mean, if I'm the Patriots, I kind of look at what worked for them against the Raiders on those two drives in the second half and realize that's like, not dissimilar to what worked for them against the Eagles and what was working for the Patriots in that one. They did get some run performance, uh, whether it's out of Ezekiel Elliott or Ramondre Stevenson, but in reality, it was getting into a rhythm for Mac Jones and getting Kendrick Bourne involved. Like I, I think in that first uh, drive where Ezekiel Elliott scored, it was a lot of Ezekiel Elliott going out there it was finding a little bit of passes here and there, but they benefit from some penalties uh, from the Raiders side. And so, you know, they, they were able to score, but I think the Raiders weren't really trying that hard when the Patriots were down 19 to 10, they led that massive, like nine minute drive. What worked for them, just pure distribution of the ball where Mac Jones had to convert, like I think it was five third down plays 
I want to say. Um, he didn't even convert all of them. They had to go on fourth down. He had a roughing the passer that really helped him out on that end. But they milked every single snap that they possibly could. And it's going to have to be one of those situations again this time. And honestly, I think that's their best bet. Like my X factor, I don't know, it's like cheap to say it's the offensive line again, but uh, Mac Jones's decision-making, if he can reduce the boneheaded plays, that Hunter Henry interception was inexcusable. Oh, he should have just eaten the sack, thrown it out of like, I, was, I mean, throw it out of bounds should have been the first move, but like, the fact that he's feeling like he has to make those panic moves shows that he's in a wrong mental state. He, if he can reduce those, what are you doing plays Patriots could have a shot to make this not embarrassing. (laughs) And that's why I feel like, you know, if he can play within himself, if he can pick up those five, six yards at a time, because they're not going to get a lot of time with this offensive line. If they're able to connect with Kendrick Bourne over and over and over and over again, that's their best chance of moving down the field. It's weird to be in a scenario where you're down by two scores and you lead a nine-minute drive to get three minutes left on the clock and you're kind of happy about it. But that's where we're at with the the offense. Um, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit in saying they don't need to run the ball. I think they need to establish the runs. I feel like the play action, when Mac Jones is under center, he's able to play action – and the linebackers don't laugh at it, uh, is effective. Uh, and if they can just get some kind of run game going, I don't think they're going to need to run for 200 yards. They've yet to run for 100 yards as a team. But if they can just get any kind of semblance of run game going, get the play action going, because Matt Jones is really good, or he used to be really good, in the middle of the field. Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne of the crossers, he he really feasted in that those the kind of middle zone. If they can just draw the linebackers up a little bit, and they do need long drives. I'd love to see a bunch of nine-minute drives. That would make me very, very happy because the less Josh Allen's on the field, the less points the Bills can score, uh, and they need to establish the run in some capacity because they can't be throwing the ball 50 times a game against this defense. I just don't see it happening. The problem, though, Rich, to your point, is that can the offensive line beat one-on-one this Bills defensive line and open up gaps? I don't think so. That's why I'm going with Ezekiel Elliott as my offensive mm. factor. I think they're really not utilizing him as much as a passing threat out of the backfield. Uh, Tom Brady was so good at this. He'd have a, a running back back there. Even if it was LeGarrette Blunt, he'd motion him out, and he'd just create a mismatch with the personnel he saw on the field. I feel like you don't really do that. The only time I really saw Mac Jones motion a, a running back out into the passing, he motioned to right back in, did a quick out to Kendrick Bourne. So it seemed like kind of a, a moot point. Uh, I want to see some run game so they can actually use a play action, have a linebacker's bite, and maybe get get Bourne or Parker or Thornton. They had a deep shot to Thornton last week. That was something. Maybe get Thornton down the field so they can they can try a deep shot. Uh, I just feel like if the Bills don't trust the run game, they don't respect the deep game, and they can kind of sit in the middle third of the field. Um, it could be not one pick six, but two or three pick sixes for Mac Jones on Sunday. Yeah. No, I mean, like the biggest thing is that they can't afford to turn the ball over. We've talked about this every single week that if they turn the ball over, it's done. Like the the fact that they've been playing so sloppy for years now is concerning, but especially when it's player driven, bad decision-making fumbles happen. Good defensive plays happen more than a half of these interceptions that have happened this year or turnovers that have happened this year have been due to poor offensive play, whether it's bad reads or decisions by Mac Jones or just poor focus by offensive players, poor route running, poor, you know, follow through. And so that is the, I mean, it's at the stage of the year where it's inexcusable for them to continue making those mistakes. And so uh, if Mac Jones 
again, plays outside of himself. I'm all for playing Malik Cunningham. Like if, if like, I don't need to see Bailey Zappi, maybe put in Will Greyer. I'm fine with that too. But Mac Jones absolutely has no excuse for not playing within himself. And that's not asking him to overthink it by doing that. He can throw it deep. He can do it well. But it's when he's throwing in a panicked sense that the worst of him comes out. And if he's playing panic, then he's unplayable. He is unplayable, uh, which leads me to my first prop bet. Rich Hill on the offensive side of the ball. Um, some combination, five sacks and picks. Any order you want. Three picks, two sacks, four sacks, one pick. Five total sacks slash picks for Mac Jones. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Taking the money I mean, line. Four yeah, sacks. So, I mean, he, he's had uh, seven interceptions and 12 sacks. I mean, you add in uh, the sacks for Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, and you have 21 combined over the course of the, the year. They haven't played. I mean, the Raiders were a bad defense, and they were still able to do it. I'm expecting Mac Jones because I would rather him take the sack than throw the interception. I would expect him to eat more sacks this week, probably to the benefit of not throwing an interception, but I wouldn't be surprised if the bills picked up five sacks across the team alone. If he plays rich Hill, uh, 14 receiving yards for Juju Smith Schuster over under. (laughs) Why are you taking this long? (laughs) I feel like it's mean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I it's I would take the over, but I'm not saying he'll break 20. Like that, that's where it's at. Like I can see him getting two catches for 16. Uh I just I think that his efficiency numbers with the Patriots are so appalling that incorporating him to the offense is just to the overall detriment of the team. Four total targets for the tight ends. I'm mean, for, for Mike Isecki, excuse me. Four targets for Mike Isecki. Not catching yeah. targets. Yeah, I'll take the over on that. I mean, I, I think that they want to get him involved. I think that so long as players are continued to be injured, Hunter Henry, if he's dealing with an ankle injury and he's not going, they you know, not going to participate. I would rather them throw it to Jacecki and like give him opportunities to ca- make yards after the catch. He uh, hasn't been an efficient receiver. But I also think that they've been utilizing him this year in a way that he's never been used in his career. He's been asked to block a lot more. He's not that guy. They need to start using him based off of what his strengths are. It's very weird that they're not doing that. But if they're able to put him out there as that receiver, I think he could get some mismatches against this Bills defense. He's familiar with them. You know, he spent his whole career with the Dolphins. He knows what he's up against. I'm sure that he has some favorite plays that he's done in the past against the Bills that he knows like, hey, this works against them. It's a strong defensive back contingent for the Bills. But that said, he can still do it. He had his best career game ever against the Bills back in 2020, of course, but he had 130 yards against them. He knows what it takes to produce I would love to see him get incorporated out there for more than four targets. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Rich Hill, that Derrick Henry has more passing touchdowns than Mac Jones does in October. Does Mac Jones surpass Derrick Henry on the all-time October passing touchdown list this game? Surpass, meaning he has to get two? Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Will Mac Jones have more touchdown passes in October than Derrick Henry this time next week? Oh, my God. I, my, my, my heart says yes, but my brain says no. (laughs) Like 
Like I, in my head, I'm like, even if the Patriots score three touchdowns, two of them are coming on the ground. They're, they're, they'll score them because they'll have gotten to the one yard line and they'll use Stevenson or Elliott to run it in. I, there's no world where they let Mac Jones air it out inside the red zone. And if he does throw a touchdown pass, it'll be probably from a little bit further out. And the player makes a big play after the catch. I'll still say yes. Right. I'll still say yes. I, I think that there is a, a fair chance that the Patriots will say, I mean, Kendrick Bourne had eight catches on that final drive, eight of his 10 catches. He has to be involved. He has to be. It, like at, at this point, there's, there's no world where they let this keep happening. And so when he produces and then they say, actually, just kidding, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> and so I think that they'll lean on him. He'll have a big play out there. I can see Mac Jones getting two touchdowns. Will it be enough to win? I don't think so. But I could see him getting two touchdowns this game. Rich Hill, when the inevitable finally happens and you finally lose your mind and they incarcerate you and send you off to a mental institution somewhere and I come visit you because I'm your friend, you're going to be in the padded room with the straight jacket rocking back and forth to saying, get Kendrick Bourne involved, get Kendrick Bourne involved, get Kendrick Bourne involved, <laughs> over and over again. That's going to be what finally breaks you. Maybe you'll eventually snap out of it, but uh, when, when that happens, don't worry, buddy. I will come and visit you in the mental hospital. Thank you. I've named my firstborn child Kendrick Bourne, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's all I got for prop bets, Rich. Unless you have anything else to talk about, let's get the predictions. Let's go on. All right. You were foolish not to pick the Patriots to beat the Raiders 17-13. I saw them winning not happening, so I get to pick first. Patriots are hosting the Buffalo Bills this week. Uh, there's just no chance the Patriots won the game. It's just this is just as as locked as it can possibly be. Watch, of course, would be the upset. Maybe there's a chance the Bills keep playing like crap and the Patriots upset them. That's obviously possible any given Sunday. But I just see no scenario where the Patriots win this game. I think the Bills win this game big. I think the Bills win it thirty to thirteen. Ooh, well. Um... I agree. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I think the Bills are going to win this one comfortably and handily. Uh, I think I would see this one being like a a, uh, 35 to 24 kind of situation where the Patriots get a garbage time score. Uh, But, you know, the Bills will have had a multi-score lead for at least the second half. Um, I feel like it'll be a comfortable win for Buffalo. I think that the Patriots will show a little bit on offense. I, I'm not counting them out completely, uh, but I, I think that this defense is just too broken right now to compete, which is just, uh, a hard place to be because they don't deserve that. They, they are a great defensive unit, um, but I just think that they don't have the horses in the barn right now. No, they don't. Maybe if Judon was there and uh, Gonzalez was there, Maybe uh, the Pats have yet to score 24 points all season, um, but maybe they will. This I think the most they scored is 20 in week one. That's their their season high. Yeah, they scored 20, 17, 15, 3, 0, and 17 so far. So maybe this is the year, the week. Yeah, that do they, it at some point. They're going to score at some point. And, again, they're going to just blow some team out at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen because that's how they're Why happen. not Buffalo? Probably not Buffalo and then probably <laughs> not Miami. But we'll get to Miami next week after enduring this one. That is all I got for this episode of Patriots First and Goal. Rich Hill, anything else you want to chat about or can we get the hell out of here? Nah, I'll see you next week uh, breaking down the two and five Patriots as they go <laughs> on an undefeated tear for the rest of the season. Here we go. 12 and five. Here we come. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Bye, buddy.